0: Welcome to The Sunset Born Matt. How are you doing?
1: I am great, thanks. It's, uh, it's a beautiful fall day here in New York. The best time of year to be here. The sun is shining. It's not hot and humid. It's just nice and warm. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I think um, we're at in that in-between period where summer kind of comes and goes every couple of days and uh, you know, fall isn't quite here just yet. So uh, yeah. yeah, I've I've in layers and I'm I'm ready for uh for an exciting Q4 to come starting next week.
0: Yeah. Um I'm in North Carolina Raleigh and it still feels like summer outside, but it's almost like desert t- temperature. So it'll get really hot during the day and then it'll get like it's probably an insult to you New Yorkers, but like in the sixties, high <laughs> that night.
1: <laughs> and it won't be silly, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's all about layers, right? You get, yeah. You've got to be ready for like any possible scenario, whether it be, uh, you know, temperatures. I think the last time you and I had a chance to speak, I was sitting in my office and we had a Rain. crazy tropical storm. And then I had yeah. to brave the elements, like basically swim home. So, you know, I think uh, Mother Nature is forced to be reckoned with. And, uh, you know, we should all just kind of like be respectful of that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you definitely got to be respectful of her. Um, I think I would love for you to introduce yourself to those who may not know you yet. Um, And then we can get into this conversation.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, You know, my name is Matt Barish. I live in New York, originally from New York. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've been in the advertising technology space now for God, Uh, well over twenty plus years. I started in broadcast, moved into print, realized that digital was going to be a thing, Uh, and you know was a big believer that everyone should have a thesis. And so, back in two thousand five, a mentor of mine said, "Hey, you know, if you want to get into sales, if you want to really understand how to you know be effective." You should recognize that success, no matter what you do, is predicated on exposure, leverage, and relationships. Mm-hmm. And so, at a point where I was trying to figure out where I should go, and you know, digital was starting to kind of like come back after the bubble bursting in the late nineties, uh, I found a job at a company called Twenty Four Seven Real Media, which had a media network, a, an ad serving business, and a boutique search agency. And so, for someone who was trying to dive headfirst into what I thought was going to be an area of opportunity for long haul. Mm-hmm. It gave me kind of the opportunity to check all three of those boxes. And so 24 seven was great. We got acquired by WPP. I then went on to uh, join the team at MySpace, third party business, launched third party business, at news corp. Yeah. Uh, spent a few years vice president sales at Forbes, got into mobile gaming, uh, at a company called Ad Colony, which acquired opera software, launched global programmatic business there and, uh, left. And then tried to be an entrepreneur, decided to go back, had a great couple of years. So in total, spent about seven years there. And for the past about a year, I've been uh, sitting in my current role, Senior Vice President of Business Development at a company called Zeotap, which is a Berlin-based software data company, uh, really solving for the future. And when I say mm-hmm. the future, it's you know the imminent demise of the cookie, mm-hmm. it's the importance of first-party data. And the ability for a marketer to activate that in all of these channels, which, you know, marketing is just one of them. But that could be consumer journey. It could be how, uh, marketers touch base with, you know, their, uh, their consumers through things like SMS and call center. It's really recognizing that, you know, yeah. uh, a marketer needs a one stop shop to really have customer intelligence at their fingertips.
0: And does Diotap only works? I mean, works mostly on the publisher side or is it both buy side and publisher side? Can you work with publishers and brands? Welcome to the Programmatic Meetup. Yay! I'm so excited about this community that we're building. It's going to be a safe space for media buyers, ad ops, uh, programmatic ninjas, data analysts like you and I, You know, just to come up and talk about our day-to-day challenges in our direct roles, some of, my, some of our wins, and some of our um, opportunities to grow, to educate ourselves. Some of the topic of discussion includes anything from optimization, best practice, QA, templating, workflow. Um, operational workflow. I'll have guest appearance. I'm bringing my network to you. And the best part of it is that you'll have one-on-one questions with them. Oh, so excited about this, yo. I'm so hyped. Um, So what to expect in your membership, right? Um, You can expect one hour call every first and third Wednesday of the month. Access to all the recordings for the paid members within our community. Um, discounted one-on-one consulting with me and some of the guests that would be gracing us with their presence and their appearance, customizable training, but most importantly, new best friends, y'all. I'm very excited about this opportunity. This is a community for you and I. This is a community for us to just join forces and really, really share, really, just being able to be together in a community. There's so much growth when you're in a community, when you're able to relate to people, As somebody understands where you're coming from, um, from, from different perspectives, right? So, so join today. Programmatic Meetup community is open to you. Bring your friends, tell your friends to bring his friends, to bring her friends and his friends to meet up with us. Um, we respect you, we love you, we appreciate you. We're ready to like uh, support you. So make sure you join the programmatic meetup. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very excited about it. So thank you so much, and see you soon.
1: Yeah. So Susiecap so is primarily focused on providing software for marketers. There is a little bit of a publisher component to what we do, but you know okay. when you look at our business, our business again as a uh, you know it's an offering that provides data monetization to telcos around Europe. And so because we're distinctly German,
2: mm-hmm. and because
1: we've got a very, very, very serious focus on the sensitivity around consumer privacy and you know, the need for trust, uh, we've built really what I think is best-in-class tech. Uh, and so we started with uh, addressable segments. We then moved mm-hmm. on to CRM onboarding of third-party data. We then built out first party data capabilities, and now we have what we consider uh, like a leading CDP. And that CDP doesn't just sell or doesn't just uh, create an offering that sells transactional data, but it provides like kind of this single rail where we've got an identity business where we're solving for universal identity. and, And that's where the publisher side of the business comes in, where we work with ComScore Top 100. To, uh to give them an alternative to the cookie for logged in deterministic users and gives the marketer the ability to uh you know to, to 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 hit that consumer uh based on you know their logins and the network that we've built and so we focus on five different European markets plus India UK France Germany Germany Italy and Spain mm-hmm. uh, Europe is a little bit Different in terms of navigating, just because of some of the
2: yeah. complexity
1: around,
2: yeah, uh, you
1: know, around things like GDPR, for example, yeah. and you know, and, and, and really um, a much heavier emphasis on consumer privacy than we have here in the U.S. And so, it's a great challenge. Uh, it's something where you know, I think when we talk here, we read here about you know what the future looks like without. The cookie, or we think about you know things like CCPA. Um, you know, the American conversation is definitely relevant, but the European conversation is a little bit more intense. So, mm-hmm. you know, operating in Europe uh, requires a very different mindset and skill
0: set. I bet. Um, that's thank you for the introduction. Um, for those listening, you can find Matt on almost all social media i know instagram you're very active with uh but mainly twitter and linkedin so instead of having your typical conversation and i'm speaking to whoever is listening right now in terms of like what's this what's matt's point of view about the industry what's this so why we why should we um retire the word cookie last it hasn't really happened yet etc cetera, etc cetera. You can probably Google and find those type of information. But since I have such a bomb-ass person on the podcast today, and while we were having the introduction call, you mentioned something that really resonated with me in terms of, um, I think you said something about you worked for X company for seven years and only like what, one or two people left while you were at the company because you helped build the department and you basically built that um, that team so yeah i think
1: you know you you mentioned having a point of view i mean i definitely don't lack opinion right of course course. that's um you know that 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 that's something which you know most of the time is a blessing every so often it's a curse but you know i think when it comes to an industry that you know it's funny for all of the hyperbole and all the talk about automation Mm -hmm. and this move or this shift Towards you know, a programmatic world. Yeah. If you don't have relationships and you don't have good people doing good work,
2: mm-hmm. then you
1: really don't have much of anything. And so to that point, I think um, you know, having been an observer and a participant, I should say, in this in, in this in the evolution of this industry, you know, it's funny because I remember getting online in, in the mid '90s at the University of Wisconsin. And thinking that Yahoo was this gateway to a whole new world.
2: Mm -hmm. And it
1: was really an eye-opening (laughs) experience. And so when I went to college, and now I'm dating myself a little bit here, uh, none of this this existed, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was impossible to be properly prepared for what was going to come my way in terms of a career. Mm -hmm. And so while my dad might have been a doctor and my mom might have been a lawyer, they went to the same desk every day for decades. And when I started off on my own professional journey, I probably had three jobs in the first five years that I was out of school. And I started to wonder, is it me or is it what's happening around? Mm me? So to that point, I started to think a lot about the the constructs of career development and what does that mean? And who are the great managers that I've had? And what have they brought me that had made me want to rally for them? And really, what have they invested me, and what have I invested back? And so, as I evolved and matured and grew into management roles, I started to apply some of that mindset, and I started to think, okay, um, this is an industry where the average employee has maybe
2: Two eighteen years.
1: to thirty-six months, yep. yeah, Perfect. at a, you know at a job and a role. And why is that? Mm-hmm. And whose responsibility is it? to you know, nurture those folks, help them to really you know, have, I think, an opportunity to grow, uh, to create some value, to create some value for themselves, sublet for the company that they work for, but also realizing that you know, all this turnover and gas isn't good for right? It's not good for driving an industry forward. It's not good for a company that's looking to grow. And it's not good for a manager who every time an employee leaves, has to do through a hiring cycle, which is tedious and long, expensive.
0: Yeah,
1: incredibly expensive. An
0: investment. Yep,
1: that's right. And so, you know, I looked at the the time period, the mid, you know, twenty tens. Right, let's say twenty thirteen through twenty seventeen, mm-hmm. where so many great companies went through such tough times because, you know, they 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 didn't have management that understood how to get maximum value out of employees, and so. In the time that I was in ad colony and opera, we hired a lot of people, but what was really important to me wasn't the revenue growth, it wasn't the profitability, it wasn't the amount that we sold the companies for. It was about the fact that we brought people on who stuck around. And that was why we saw success was because those people realized that I was in it to help them. And that you know if they were successful, I'd be successful and we'd all be successful. And so that translates. And so finding a good manager... It's really important it's about finding someone who's truly willing to spend the time to get to know you, to understand where you want to go, to explain the industry, to open doors, to help create some of those relationships that you might not get. And it's even tougher these days, right, in the Zoom world, where building those network bonds, you know, I mean, it, it takes a skill set to be able to be engaging and charismatic and hold somebody's attention as part of, uh, you know, a, a 30-minute window where you could be one of two squares in the window, speaking at one another or speak one another, or you could be one of 30. And so, you know, how do you do that? And uh, I think it's something that we're all learning on the fly. But, you know, the, the the whole concept of really investing in talent, investing in people, you know, I think in many companies, that falls back to HR. But I think it's really this partnership between human resources and management to understand what is the mindset. I think the term culture gets used a lot. Mm-hmm. Culture isn't something that comes in one size fits all package. There's no playbook for it. You have to create it. You have to invest in people and you have to actually live it. And once mm-hmm. you do that, you start to see the success. You to start to reap those rewards.
0: So, um, so what is uh, the culture that you were able to create for the team that, you, that grew under you or grew with you? What is like the, I know that, I love the fact that you said that culture is not like a one size fits all. I think uh, it's really important to mention and highlight. If you were a book, I would have been highlighting a lot, actually. <laughs> but like how, how, for a manager listening, for even a team member listening, um, how, what can you tell them? And I guess it's two, this is two questions. One speaking to that manager and one speaking to that team. Like, how can they participate yeah. in growing that culture? Because it's not only on, on HR or on management. It's like everybody, like it's like culture. Everybody has to step in. But um, how can they feel empowered and encouraged to actually step in and be courageous enough to, to participate?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it, it starts with curiosity, right? It starts with mm-hmm. really, you know, thinking about, you know, no one in this industry whether it's advertising, whether it's technology, whether mm-hmm. it's programmatic, you, you know, take your pick on which, you know, subset of, you know, we'll call it global marketing you, you want to focus on, but no one has all the answer. Mm-hmm. And yet there, you know, it, it takes some level of self-confidence to actually ask questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's really important for, you know, whether, let's start with the manager, right? Managers have to ask employees, where do you want to go? What's important to you? What are your objectives, right? Over the next six months or 12 months, what are the milestones that you want to hit? And do those align with where the company thinks that they can grow and grow you as the employee? Mm -hmm. And so how do you create this career development track where, you know, you've got goals for the employee. They align with the goals of the company. And if you achieve those, check those boxes, you essentially level up. And so, you know, there are certain things that are really important to every employee, right? Number one is compensation. People want to get paid for their time and they want to be compensated effectively. And they want to believe that the company is there to help them make as much money as possible. So how do you set those goals to be really fair? Secondly, you know, I think what you want is you want people to believe that they've got a future. And that they're invested in a place which is invested in them. And so how do you provide the resources, whether that be attending events, whether that be paying for certifications, but how do you give people that investment and that confidence to go out and again, uh, explore that curiosity? Because what happens within you know, any given company that you work for is just a big piece of the puzzle.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
1: puzzle is pretty broad. And so, you know, if you're an employer, sorry, an employee, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you should really ask a lot of your manager and you shouldn't be afraid to. And I think great employees, you know, they have, they, they may have, uh, you know, different cultural values, meaning, you know, there may be certain types of programs that may be interesting to them. They might want to you know, focus on impact. They might want to focus on diversity. You know, again, introducing things that will help the company to think differently will help the manager to really grow and, 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 and really, uh, you know, I think a, a good manager mm-hmm. will welcome that. Um, good companies will also be supportive of people who want to think outside the box. And I know that's a bit of a cliche, yeah. but, you know, it's not just about coming in and punching a clock, right? It's about how do you develop relationships, not just... Externally with the customers, the partners who help you to earn more revenue and drive more profit. But how do you build those relationships internally? Especially at a time when you're not staying in office with someone. And that's tricky, right? That's like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, my wife who has an HR role, um, Mm -hmm. she will always say to me, I, you know, I'm always surprised at how much time you spend on Slack, you know, reaching out to random employees around the world you know, on a Monday morning, just saying, how are you? And how was your weekend? Yeah. And it's those little things that really make a difference, right? You know, mm-hmm. when you hear from someone, and it's not just, hey, why wasn't that report pulled? Or, hey, what happened with that deal?
0: Why did the it's really stop running. Yeah,
1: totally. It's about showing interest, right? Yeah. It's about saying, yeah. you know, hey, like, how are your kids doing? Or, yeah. you know, hey, um, you know, have you watched an episode of, you know, whatever show, you know, you like, and uh and really just recognizing that we're all humans and uh at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Matt Bearish or you're just an employee coming out of college, yeah. Um, we are all interchangeable. And so you wanna be empathetic, you wanna recognize that you know, we're not living in the same work world that we were eighteen months ago or two years ago, and you want to be flexible and think differently. If you do that, you'll be successful.
0: If you um Okay, so I'm highlighting again here. Um, I think you can pull a lot of things, like you pulled empath- empathetic. You you pull like just checking in on the human part of the business, the human part of the team. Have you heard of the DISC assessment? Yeah, tell me. It's um, it's like a, it's not a personality test, but it kind of is. Except it helps you understand your communication style. It's like the D stands for dominance, I stands for influence. S for stability and C for compliance. And um, it's just like a test that helps you um, understand how you receive information and how you, you, you give information out. And um, it's a really cool test. And I've taken a few of them working for agencies. And I can tell based on like your, your charisma and your energy that you might be a high I which is those people that are very uh, people-driven. They are like the life of the party. Like when you walk into their office, like you can't go straight to business. You have to say, hey, how are you? How's the fam? Are you feeling better? Did you catch this game? And then get into business versus like a high S or high C, I can't remember, would be like, you can't just come and rumble. You have to go straight to like, hey, did you get this report? Not even a good morning sometimes. Um, yeah, and,
1: I, I mean, look, there, there are so many different flavors, right? Yeah, and, and and you know, it's um, it's important to have a little bit of each, right? Think, Absolutely. You know, there, it really depends on your role, and it depends on what you're coming to do all day, and mm-hmm. and how you look at it. And yeah. you know, I think we're we're all cut from different cloth, and so, yeah. you know, I think for me, um, you know, I, I I really recognize the value of interpersonal relationships.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the
1: fact that, you know, if you treat people like they're resources, you're not going to get a lot out of it. But if you treat them like they are important to you
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you build that bond, then, uh, then they're going to go to bat. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's where you see amazing things happen.
0: So there's been a lot of like I've seen on LinkedIn. I've seen, I'm seeing a lot of posts where people are like, oh, hiring here. This is a great position. Hiring here. And I see recruiters just venting on LinkedIn now. Um, saying things such as there's no talent out there or talent is becoming uh, rare. Uh, so, so what's your take on that? Because I have my opinion, I'm, I'm happy to share after you, but I, I would love to know what you think of how this industry is shifting and all of a sudden talent is scarce versus like maybe two, three years ago. And I know it has a lot to do t- with the pandemic, but what's, what's just a take on it?
1: Yeah, I think part of that comes back to the fact that people just don't know how to hire, right? Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, hiring managers are paralyzed. They really are terrified of making the wrong hire. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of that selfish, right? And and it's really driven off of their, perhaps, um, their insecurities, right? Because they're looking for the perfect candidate, And there's no such thing, right? You're never going to find somebody who checks every box that you may be thinking of. And so... You know when you hear people vent and 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 really you know, suggest frustration around you know, finding talent, mm-hmm. it's not that there's lack of talent. It's that there's actually a challenge in terms of people recognizing that sometimes you have to really think differently to go out and find the best candidate for the role that you're looking to fill. And so, you know, when I write a job description, I'll be honest, it's really a formality, right? It's something that. I've got to jot down five or seven points to put on a page and post, mm-hmm. and ultimately, uh, you know, get some people attracted to apply for that role. Mm-hmm. But that role is going to be pretty multifaceted. And so it's one of those things where you can really, you know, it's it's funny, um, you can get to know somebody pretty quickly in an interview process, just based on how they tell their story, Right. And how they can explain where they've come from and what they're interested in and where they want to go. And you can sort of pick up certain cues or certain bullet points, yep. right? Head that say, this person's going to be a fit, or wow, that person probably is not going to like just jive yep. with the rest of the team. But you said you've got some thoughts on it. Tell me, you know, wh- what's your take on it? <laughs>
0: uh, I think I've- I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that um, industry-wise, I feel like what I'm hearing from you in terms of being a successful manager, hiring a successful team, or training for a successful team includes being able to be flexible, but also being able to uh, to be the resource for your people instead of them being a resource for you. And I think this whole time, pandemic or not, I think some jobs out there expect the talent to already be the resource already know everything about what they're supposed to and I understand that there's jobs that need experience I'm not saying that no you should train um, but whether you have experience or not there's still a phase an onboarding phase where you have to onboard your, your your employee you have to onboard your team members into certain things and there's experience that need to come here and there but I, I think as like industry leaders or company leaders or whoever's doing that hiring and picking up that talent is not finding the correct formula in terms of still being inspiring and engaging. So yes. I think if I'm being very blunt, I think we've gone a little lazy when it comes to onboarding employees, expecting them to guess everything like, oh, you should know this because you have yep. X amount of experience. No, it's a different place I know my shit but like it's different so uh that's, that's my every tank.
1: place has every place has a different process right absolutely and so you know it's funny when I hear people who are hiring and they're like you've got to hit the ground running yeah I'm like what is you are setting someone up for failure right exactly. because it takes it takes a solid I don't know six to nine months to actually understand mm what you are, like, what you're tasked with doing, how the company does it, you know, what, what, what is the space that you occupy today relative to where you were?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, and, 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 you know, I always joke that in the first three months, you know, if you could tell me where the printer is and where the bathroom is and where the post-it notes are, <laughs> like, you're doing just fine, right? <laughs> and yet, the expectations from so many companies mm-hmm. are really immediate impact. And so there's misalignment there, right? Because if they want immediate impact, then they have to have some really killer onboarding, and they really have to take the time for you know for managers to spend, uh, you know, hours upon hours helping people to you know again be set up for success, to have the resources and learning and development tools in place, so that you know an employee can be a bit of a self-starter and and, and mm-hmm. do their homework on their own. And, you know, and make it really seamless and easy. And by the way, you know, we're not all in offices and we probably won't be in offices full time anytime soon. And so, you know, in, in this day and age, uh, it's tougher than ever. And so, you know, I think some people are really scrappy and resourceful. I know that I onboarded in the of a pandemic last fall. And I'm lucky in that I had pretty good resources. At the same time, it took me eight months, nine months before I ever actually met. Colleague in person, mm-hmm. and so you know again, there's that that intangible, you know, you're not recognizing who that person is outside of you know the confines of the Zoom screen, which are tough. And then you know, there's the inevitable question that pops up throughout the day, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know you're like, okay, who's the right person to ask, and how does this work,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: are they going to think less of me if I, you know, if I stop and if I ask them what may be a really simple dumb question? but it wasn't covered in the onboarding. And so, you know, again, what's perception to be there? And that's tough. That's a really tough spot. You know, I think the other thing is I may be a senior manager and I may be a highly visible, you know, personality within this industry, but I find it most interesting to talk to the junior people and to get to know, you know, the the, the doers, if you will, rather than decision makers, because the doers are the ones to really understand how the sausage is made, the inside and outs of the company,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And yeah. The
1: partnership I I call, or the
0: client. I call, I call us the minions. Like, <laughs> yeah. I received some comments about this, so if you're listening, this is the last time I'll joke about it once again. But I think it's a good way to put it into perspective.
1: <laughs> totally. I mean, I you know, I I I I don't want to be disparaging of anyone. We all start somewhere, right? You know, of it was course. Like that. Yeah. That 20, 20 young 20 something who had a hunger in my mm-hmm. eye and wanted to figure it all out. But you know, those are the most interesting conversations for me. you know, it's getting to know people yeah. who are really trying to figure out, you know, how to make, you know, how to make it work. And I can go walk into a corner office and have a conversation that's great, but those are usually pretty high level yeah. and they're pretty consistent. Yeah. And uh, you know, for me, I'll take a conversation or a lunch or a coffee. With someone who's just starting out early in their career and really curious, really hungry, and really like looking to like, make it happen uh, any day of the week. Those are the ones that are really fun.
0: Do you think there's been a, um, it's more challenging to work with like multi generational team members or <laughs> multiple difference? And the reason why I'm saying that is because I remember a few years back, on my resume, most of the jobs, I'm one of the two to three years and I've always been super loyal to the company or the, I'm on the, I was always been on the agency side. So I've always been super mm-hmm. loyal. And then after a while, again, it happens on the two year mark, the the agency is not loyal anymore. And I, I find myself just doing more than what needs to be done because I had either juniors that I was managing or I had. Team, team, my team that I just didn't want to let go. So we all put in more than we were supposed to without the resource or, uh, how am I going to say that, the support that was needed at the time. And so when you when my dad looks at my resume, he's 62, I'm 32. He's always like, oh, well, that's just a different generation. Millennials tend not to stay at job more than two, three years and a half. As you know, that I think this is advertising specific in the industry. So do you think it's more challenging or it's more, it's more of a blessing to have like multi-generational team members on, your, on your, your team? And it doesn't have to be like literally all buyers or all analysts, like different positions. Yeah, I think it's,
1: it's such a tough question, right? Because you know, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm in my mid-40s now, mm-hmm. I can say that proudly. And yeah. you know, sometime I, so, so at some point I became like one of the older guys, <laughs> and so, you know, when I stop and I listen to what's really important to your employees who are, you know, twenty years my junior, yeah, uh, that value set is remarkably different. And mm-hmm. it's not to say that one is better than the other. It's about, you know, what's important to you, you know, at that moment in time. So, you know, whereas I Grew up watching movies like Wall Street, listening to Gordon Gekko talk about greed is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of the younger colleagues I have, people who I've worked with over the past, you know, five years or so, you know, they're cut from a very different cloth.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, they want, they want to change the world and they want to make the world a very different, you know, better place. And so, whereas when I entered into all of this, you know, it was about, making as much money as you can, yeah, you know, that's and, true. And, and really, you know, just, uh, j- just bankrolling. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying
1: that's not important. It's important, but I think that now the world is a little bit more complicated and, you know, as the world becomes a little bit more complicated, you have to be, I'm going to use a word that my wife makes fun of me for being critical of her for using all the time, but it's thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Right? My wife is a very senior HR executive in mm-hmm. the agency world, and she always talks about how it's important to be thoughtful to your colleagues and your employees and recognize what drives them, what are the important moments or points for them, and what are going to be the points of satisfaction that will make their work experience better. And that may not align with what's important to me, but it's about designing around the happy medium, mm-hmm. right? Where is that point of intersection? And so, you know, maybe some of that's generational. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, a byproduct of the world that we live in today and some of the changes we've seen in society over the past couple years. Mm. But I think, you know, if you can figure it out um, and you can find people around you who realize that diversity of thought is a really, really good thing and it's not a hindrance, that's what you want to gravitate towards. You want to find people who... They don't want a bunch of people who are viewers and who will just punch a clock and who will come in and, you know, not express an opinion or a thought or make a suggestion. But you want to find people who will bring it all, right? And they will come to the table with ideas yeah. and want, you know, to, 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 to leverage the company to create a better mindset and a better world right? And if Mm. if you can create a better world, and sometimes that's driven by financial incentive, sometimes it's just, you know, what that service might provide or what that capability might provide, uh, you know, then everybody can win. I
0: think it's a good way to end the conversation uh, before our closing segment. Um, And this is the last question before it. Uh, If you had to kind of recap, If somebody had to stop listening to the podcast right now in this instance, what are like two to three things they need to remember from our conversation?
1: Uh, I'm going to go back to success, no matter what you do, is really a byproduct of exposure, leverage, and relationships. I think Mm -hmm. that I've used that line for 20 plus years, and I think Mm -hmm.
2: it
1: always sounds pretty smart. Um, I think that, you know, I'll go back to the relationships part of this where. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're on the buy side, whether you're on the sell side, whether you're on the tech side. Um, If you don't know who to call and how to put the ball in play, then you're going to be facing an uphill battle. So relationships are really, really important. Uh, The next thing is, you know, find yourself a good manager. Right. You know, I think it's really easy when you start applying for jobs and you start looking at job description, saying, hey, you know, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. These are their, you know, objectives for the role, but who's actually leading the chart?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And is that someone who you can rally behind? Yeah. And if you can, then you know, bonus points. And if you mm-hmm. can't, maybe it's a little bit of a red flag.
0: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good way to. I love the relationship part because um, I think your environment defines your success in relation to the people in your environment or one of the things in your environment or one of it. So I think. It's a great way to to end the podcast. So let's move into the closing segment. And before we close, for real, for real, can you tell us like one fun thing about yourself?
1: God, one fun thing about myself. Okay, I am a diehard New York Mets fan who, in nineteen eighty six, shivered in the upper deck of Shea Stadium watching New York Mets win the World Series.
2: No way! That's
1: uh, it's cool. been. It's been 35 years since that Game 7 October night, and it's been all downhill since. So, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, you can find me on any given night sitting there, uh, you know, yelling at my TV. Uh, We are in the end of September, and inevitably my heart gets broken around this time of year as I watch, you know, the Mets pennant race hopes go down the toilet.
0: Yeah. And uh, do you do I know you, you travel a lot with, uh, with your, posi- your current position. So I've seen you attend soccer games as well. Are you like a French soccer fan? I'm a
1: everything soccer fan, I think, <laughs> uh, minus, my, minus, minus what goes on here in the U.S. But uh, no. yeah, I just uh, I, I just got okay. back from about three weeks in Europe and caught uh, yeah. a couple matches, had an opportunity to do something that was mind-blowing, which is go to a Paris Saint-Germain game
2: mm-hmm. and go
1: see all those superstars. And so uh, it was my birthday. It was my birthday wish. and I figured, you know, it's been a year and a half being cooped up and sitting at home and yeah. you know, playing, uh, pl- playing a lot of Xbox. <laughs> and so you know instead of pretending to be uh you know Lionel Messi or Kylian Mbappe on the Fox we <laughs> go out and watch these yeah. guys do it in real life because real life is where it's at yeah, and so yeah. uh so I had an opportunity to, to, to go spend a week in Paris uh, a couple weeks ago and uh and, you know, and, and go be, you know, not that different than the little kid who was shivering in the stands at Chase Stadium in 1986. Yes. But this time the sun was shining and, you know, yeah, the sport was a little That's different. Funny. But, uh, but, you know, young, young, you know, kind of elementary school Mac came out to play wearing his best uh, yeah, PSG yeah, yeah. jersey and, uh, <laughs> and yelling like a, uh, Ye- yelling, yelling like I did, you know, once upon a time for uh, for players to uh, you know, to turn my way, smile and wave. So
0: oh my god, you know, I think
1: there's there's the beauty of sport right there.
0: That is hilarious. And what's the latest thing you stream or like binge washed?
1: I uh, I'm all in on billions. I think um, you know, there was uh, there, there was a rough break there because of the pandemic, where I think they got through filming half the season, and then there was this abrupt cutoff, and you're like, uh oh. Am I really going to have to wait an indefinite period of time? For this <laughs> what to, was the you know, show? To figure out Billions.
0: Oh, Billions. I'm not sure about right that.
1: And so, uh, you know, I think um, Billions just came back a couple weeks ago. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I've been traveling, so I haven't had a chance to, to, to catch up. But I did, a, uh, I did a three-hour binge
2: last night. I think,
1: um, <laughs> you know, really, really looking forward to, uh, yeah, to, uh, to get back into that. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'll be honest, I, I don't watch a ton of T V, but uh yes, when same. I do it's you know, I'm I'm all in on certain things. So uh you know I think yeah st- streaming is like uh you know it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because mm-hmm. you just got endless, endless, endless opportunities.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. Bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love and hate Netflix for that particular reason. And now They have this option where you can just, (laughs) when you don't know, I guess when it's a timer, when you're like looking for things for a while, it just pops up and say, play something random. And then you'll click and it'll play something random. I'm like, wow, how long have I been just, you know what, I just, I don't need to watch TV if I don't know what I want to watch. So I need to turn it off. But I'm the yeah, totally. don't enjoy it, it, it. comes
1: back. It comes back to what you just asked me, right? Which is like, yeah. you know, on any given Saturday morning, it's not uncommon for me to be sitting and having, uh, you know, a cup of coffee, a bagel, and watching like some, you know, second tier French team playing, uh, you know, and the game to be broadcast in Spanish. And my 17 and a half year old blind dog sitting next to me going,
2: oh. like,
1: wh- wh- what are you doing, man? Like, wh- why are you watching this? And I'm just like, because <laughs> I love it. You yeah, know, that's, that's, that's the beauty of sport is, you know, there's always something on ESPN or I can always go find something on one of those, uh, obscure, you know, channels. If you dig deep enough into your cable box or, <laughs> uh, you know, it keeps me away from watching, um, you know, uh, you know, some of those random things, uh, you know, that Netflix, you know, wants to, wants me to dive into. Yeah. And yet, you know, it takes a lot of self-restraint to, uh, to stay away. So
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, uh. um,
1: Netflix, Net- Netflix is a wonderful thing, but um,
0: yeah, 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 all, think, of uh, host, all of them. Netflix, hello. all of them. Yeah,
1: they're 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 great. We could do another session just yeah. on the future of that business,
2: right? <laughs> future. Think, uh,
1: you know, dis- discovery is just so hard, right? Because there are just mm-hmm. infinite possibilities. Yeah, sitting there watching, but you know, these days I'm just happy to be out, going for runs, getting outside, doing the fresh air while we can. Yeah, really fresh lucky to have really lucky to have our health and the ability to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get it out. Life is good.
0: Yeah, amen, amen to that. So um, thank you so much for dropping by. I think I've uh, asked all the questions I wanted to ask, I think. If anybody wants to reach out to you, where should they do that? Or oh, how should they do that?
1: Uh, I'm easy to find. I think yep. um, it's it's MGA Barish on Twitter. Uh, I can be found on LinkedIn. I can on Instagram, it's Matt Barish. And uh, you know, I tend to uh reply to just about every message I get.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I think it's really important. So uh, yeah. you know, if you've got questions, if you've got thoughts, if you're looking for direction in your career, please set uh, up, please feel free.
0: Oh, I love that. Great. Uh, Matt's information will be in our show notes. He'll be on every um notes for the podcast, every social post. So don't hesitate to reach out to him. Matt, thank you so much for dropping by. This was the bomb. We really appreciate you for making the time today.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Great way to start the uh, weekend. It's
0: a
2: great one for you as well.
0: Thank you.